Kamenetsky Brothers, Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky, taking you up to USC basketball in less than an hour. 740 is the tip for that. Uh, USC 13-0 at Oregon State to play the Beavers, mm-hmm. who may be good at basketball, Andy. <laughs> and they may not be. Doesn't sound like any This could be a difficult challenge for the Trojans to keep their undefeated record, or might be easy. Either way, good for them, man. You're gonna have to you know what you're gonna have to tune in to find out because I don't know the answer to that question. I mean, if you are the USC AD, at the end of the day, Lynn your job your, a name. Well, your job begins and ends with USC football. Nobody cares about how any of the other teams perform. I say this as somebody right. who went so to So Pat USC. Hayden's crowing up and down the road going, Andy Enfield. It, that's not gonna No, it, it does not matter. But the truth is that was a hire that in the beginning seemed really shaky. That was like No, well when in they the beginning. Hired, in well, the when beginning, they got him, it was considered really good. Right. But in the beginning of his tenure as USC basketball coach, it seemed it, shaky. The, the first year or so. Right. Was, and right. and Obviously, Pat Hayden um, it knew what he was doing. There you go. When he brought in uh, Andy Enfield. Andy Enfield. Again, <laughs> when he brought in, remind me of his name again. Again, Andy nobody Enf- cares. Andy Enfield. Nobody cares if, I, if I'm to be that totally is honest. absolutely true. So uh, Solomon and Lake Balboa has been hanging on for a little while, uh, presumably to talk about that Jim and Jeannie stuff. If I can, why am I not getting Solomon? Is it gone? He's still there. Oh, well. Wow. He, yeah. Solomon's gone. He's either gone or he's frozen in time and we can't get to him. Either way, he's on our board, but he's not popping up. So that was that. That was our caller. Uh, <laughs> last night, the Lakers lose 102 to 100 uh, against the Jazz at Staples Center. This is how the game ended. Second free throw by Gobert. Place is going nuts. No good. Rebound. Dang. They got to go. Here comes Russell. Ten seconds to go in the game. Lakers down two. Russell taking his time. Dribbles left. He's going to shoot a three. Three for the win. Air ball. Game over. Utah wins. So, Andy, John was, he went from back and forth between, yes, we're going to, He's going real slow to, he's going to take a three-pointer to, air ball. All right, so that possession didn't go well. There's a lot going on there. Yeah, it was the Lakers. Lakers did not execute particularly well over the last 90 seconds of that game. Uh, to on say, either side of the ball. Right, to, to say the least. Um, Luke Walton after, afterwards explained, though, what went wrong for the Lakers specifically on the final play because, make no mistake, things went wrong. I told Lou going in uh, a, a play that you know I wanted to run, assuming that uh, that Gobert wasn't going to miss both those free throws. A, a one point game, you know. I, I told the guys I'll t- that's on me. Uh, but the teaching, the teaching moment from that is in a one point game. If we have no timeouts, uh, we have our you know our, our shooting lineup out there. Let's let's get that floor spaced and look to get downhill and make make the defense collapse and if they don't you know look to finish the rim we don't need uh you know we don't need to run that uh the play that we had on uh in in a one-point game all right so bottom line there basically what he's saying is the lakers were unprepared for a final game situation like that's just not something they they were ready to do and he took some flack last night, uh, Walton did on the postgame show, from people who were upset about that. And we saw it on Twitter where, you know, how can you? I got to tell you, I'm not bothered by it. 
I mean, obviously, you want guys to know what they're doing. But if you make me a list of 20 things the Lakers need to work on and that they should spend very precious and rare practice time trying to figure out what we do with 10 seconds left and no timeouts or whatever is probably 17th on that list. It's, you know, it, it's not up there because they have 20 other things that they got to take care of and get better at before they can even have that situation come up consistently enough to worry about it. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're talking about building the foundation as a team to put themselves regularly in that position to potentially close out your list right. KSP in Los Angeles, a tight game. And, and that's something, by the way, too, that it really is a learned skill. I remember when, when the Lakers beat the Rockets in the season opener, and that was, a, that was a game that they had to close out against an experienced, you know, very good team we've seen from Houston this year. And I asked Luke how important it was to get a type of win like that for this team right out of the gate. And Walton said it was huge because, you know, th- when you are a really good team, you can play badly for 46 minutes, and assuming you're just not too far out of a game, right? Find a way to win. You know, we saw that all the time. You know, with the Lakers, teams stick around. You, know, Kobe you, don't, and Shaq, you don't, you don't play Kobe great. Powell, Lakers, exactly. You, you know, hang team around, lets you hang around, whatever. And, it might then be. you figure it out. But if you're not a good team, you can play 46 minutes very well and still find a way to lose. And the Lakers are at this juncture of their development. Not a good team. No, they're not an awful team. No, but I think but they're not a good. Team. I think the they closed out against Houston in the opener, as it turns out, was less a function of them understanding how to close games, and it was either something kind of fluky. It was the energy of the night. It was Houston perhaps not executing or taking them very seriously. Because what we've seen from the Lakers over the last, you know, couple weeks, and you know, we got I got a great tweet about this. Or we did um, at Cam Brothers. The Lakers last year were depressing. The Lakers this year are frustrating. And the reason fans are frustrated, the Brooklyn game. Execute. You have a chance. Execute with two minutes left. You have a chance to win. Charlotte. Execute with two minutes. You have a chance to win. Uh, even Cleveland. Like, they were in that game. But, um, you know, Miami. Execute. You have a chance to win. Utah. Execute. You have a chance to win. And it's frustrating for fans because they look up and they lost all of those games. They almost gave away the Philly game which is the one on the road trip that they actually did win because they were having trouble executing. Right, but at the same time, though, part of, and I really do believe this, part of what gives them the ability to end up in a position to close out and fail doing it is the confidence that they got from games like Oh, no question, no question. There's no question. Just seeing the tangible evidence that you're capable of doing it. They're not capable of doing it regularly, I would say right now they're not even capable of doing it semi-regularly, but they are capable of making it happen. And again, where this team is right now in their development, that's actually ahead of the curve. Like the ability, I complete, I complete, the ability I to stay in these games. I completely agree with you. They've played you know, the the what we learned last night, and what was shown again, Andy, over and over, and we've seen it over and over and over again. The difference between winning and losing in the NBA is not huge. I mean, yeah. it's we only think it's big because of what we've seen the last couple seasons, where the Lakers lose by like thirty. Then the win, the margin between winning and losing is massive because you know two or three plays here and there, it doesn't matter. And then now you lose by twenty eight instead of thirty four. Last night, 
the Lakers, the Lakers are playing a, a quality team, you know, in the Jazz. Playoff caliber team, no doubt. And the last three possessions of the game, <coughs> excuse me, the first one, Russell's sort of, I think, waiting for a screen of some sort or was playing a two-for-one or whatever it was. They got way too cute. They didn't run their offense, and they didn't get a shot. Utah comes back down and hits. Like, they, they run a play, and they get Ingles open in the corner, and he hits with it. The Lakers come back down, and they make a good play. Randall makes a good decision. They're down by three. 20 seconds left, he realizes, I don't need to take a three-pointer. He was open at the line. He almost took it. But instead, he drove and had a chance for an and-one. Couldn't finish the play. And then missed his free throw. Missed one. Only made one of two. Little stuff like that. They just, they, they're not executing. If you change three or four plays in any one of those four or five games that I mentioned, they win two of them at least. And that is a great place to be. I'm... I'm. I would rather see them work on all of that stuff for the first 48 minutes of a game and fail at the end of games more than they should, than worry about what are they, who's going to take the last shot, what are they going to do with 10 seconds left on the clock. The other thing, though, that I think is really interesting and in a lot of ways beneficial for the Lakers, whether you're talking about the fans or whether you're talking about the players, the staff, the front office, is last night was a reminder that Luke Walton is a rookie head coach yeah, and that he is learning a lot himself. And, and when Luke was hired, there was a lot of excitement. A lot of people, you and I included, thought he was a very good hire. And I was, I was thought, thought fully on board, right. 100% all and in from the, the get-go. The, cult, the culture of fun and joy and belief that he's been able to instill with this team right now on the heels of everything that's happened over the last couple of years – so quickly, and these guys really do have a genuine buy-in and belief. In a, and then you take into account the 10-10 and 10 start, where the Lakers looked really, really ahead of the curve. In a lot of ways, that created a perception of Luke where I think he was considered unquestionable. And you know whether you're talking about with fans or media, I don't think anybody was ever questioning. He Luke. was he was a unicorn. Andy was a unicorn. Yeah, I mean he he was seen as kind of a you know a golden god among he, young. He was head coaches. A, a unicorn sent from by the gods, uh, or a pegasus of some sort of winged animal, and he was. You're exactly right, but it, the big thing is here, he's the guy with the juice in the room, sure, to create the culture, and you know he gets to do that while figuring out how to be a, a head coach and, and develop a program. That is incredibly rare. Because you're right, rare. he is a rookie but, learning but how I to think do what's, it. I think what's going to start happening, I remember we got um, an interesting tweet at Cam Brothers um, at the end of the road trip where the Lakers went 1-6, and six, and somebody asked us if we thought that fans would start turning on Luke the way they pretty quickly turned on Byron Scott, and or at least about halfway through yes. the first season. And my response and was, Mike D'Antoni and Mike D'Antoni and, and Mike, Mike Brown. Brown and my response was no, but what I do think is going to start happening now, and I think we're starting to see it a little bit, and saw it in last night's post game show, is that fans will start being more critical of Luke and start paying more attention to what they see as mistakes, start questioning what they see as bad choices, and speaking up about it. Which is fine. Yeah. Well, That's we talked. Fair. We talked about it. Travis and I talked about it on the post game show after the Charlotte game that we, 
it was really one of the first times I questioned you know, his rotation. He made a bad, he I don't a bad know mistake. why D'Angelo Russell wasn't on the floor. The Lakers the are much better offense for all the criticism that D'Angelo gets from Lakers fans. I think people are much more critical of the individual players. Ingram's not developing. Russell's not developing. Randall isn't good enough. Whatever. I think those people are ridiculous. But that's, you know, we're, we're, instead of picking on Walton, but I didn't understand why D'Angelo wasn't on the floor. I mean, made no sense to me. Either. The thing about it is, is every co- we people used to sit there and criticize Phil Jackson for he did this or he didn't do that or he should have run this at the end of the game and he didn't. Being a head coach is ninety something percent of it is what do you what kind of culture do you create? How do you run the locker room? You are keeping grown millionaires from killing each other. Yes, basically. that's actually most of the job. You are babysitting millionaires and. And the, keeping them from the absolutely X's going ham on the each other. The X's and O's, particularly at, and I will say this level, like where we talk about it, where fans are talking about it, which is mostly results based. Like you, if it, if Plan A doesn't work, you're a moron. If Plan A works, you are a genius. And that's basically the level of analysis that you get in sports media and on Twitter and all that kind of stuff. Not with us, no. Andy. We dig deep. Oh yeah, but you understand my point. We leave that onion without a core. We no, it's just gone. It's like where did it go? The the you know Luke is is in a place and, and what he's shown on that end in terms of how he has gotten people to buy in and the culture he's trying to create and what this program could look like in three or four years when hopefully he actually has two or three stars on the roster, either the guys that are here now or Gordon Hayward, future Laker. Then he'll actually have grown into the role. I mean, yeah. it is. So the timing of all of this and the the setup of the roster is perfect. It's funny when you talk about just the juice that a coach or in the example I'm about to get into a manager has in the room and that buy-in effect and, and whether or not that they can whether or not they can get people to listen and also the image that they have among fans and media. You and I covered the Dodgers for a few years for the LA Times did their blog. And we had people remember we, we had a uh, Grady little for two years. And then we covered uh, Joe Torrey's first season with the Dodgers full time. And the majority of complaints about Joe Torrey were the exact same complaints <laughs> that you heard about Grady little. Yes. He bunts he, too much. He does bu- this bunts too much. Sti- he bunts too much. He relies too much on the veterans. Right. He destroys pitchers. He, he keeps them in too long. Same. Exactly. He Scott, the same he stuff. Killed Scott Proctor's arm. On two coasts. He did it in New York, and he did it in L.A. Almost every single complaint about Joe Torre was the exact same one about Grady Little. The difference is one of them was Grady Little, and the other one was Joe Torre. Yep. And Joe Torre was never unpopular right. among and Dodger fans. But it took fans. Joe Torre time to become Joe Torre. Right. And Luke Walton is getting the time to become Joe Torre, right. so and, to speak. And by the way, too, in the meantime, whatever complaints, whatever complaints that Dodger players likely had about Grady Little were the same complaints, at least internally. A lot of them, I'm sure, felt about Joe Torre. But they all convalesced under Torre because, again, he's Joe Torre, right. and the other guy was Grady but Little. But just think about it, Even an agreeable star like Paul George. Nobody thinks Paul George is a, is a team killer. No. But Walton's job would be significantly different if he had Paul George there because you have to cater what you're doing around stars. In the NBA, that's how the world works. There's nobody in the Lakers locker room that has the juice to question what they're doing. 
And that is a great luxury for Luke, and it's a great luxury for Lakers fans. Andy, uh, Christmas time has come. Hanukkah season is still is still on. Fifth night, yeah. Go just Hanukkah. Past, just got past the halfway point. <laughs> we are <laughs> past Hanukkah Hump Day. Um, I got to tell you, when pretty the, sure that's what the Maccabees called it. When the presents were added to that holiday, somebody wasn't thinking this through. No, <laughs> there's a there's a big investment in that holiday. I, I recognize the miracle of that oil Andy, and all. I think what they were, I think what they were trying to do is shatter stereotypes. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you get what you wanted for Christmas or Hanukkah? If you played for the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, the answer is maybe. We'll explain ESPN LA. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky, uh, keeping you uh, entertained. I said the wrong things. There was, what was in my head was not what came out of my mouth. Getting you ready for USC basketball, uh, which comes at 740 USC, undefeated 13-0 at Oregon State, who may be good at basketball. They may not be. But either way, USC is going to play that game, Andy, and they're going to try to go 14-0. Um, it's pretty much like standard, right, that quarterbacks give their offensive line a present absolutely right like jared goff i assume jared goff and case keenum went halvesies on their gifts for the uh, the offensive line for the rams and quite frankly they shouldn't have spent much i was gonna say like, todd Gurley has gotten got, got them like 15 dollar itunes <laughs> gift cards you gotta like, get thank you gotta give him something you gotta get him something just for the sake of the locker room and jared goff is he's in a position to be a future leader of the Rams, and that's just something leaders do. Right. But I also think in being a leader, he you needs, can't he reward needs to make, incompetence. I was going to say, he, he needs to be able to still tell these guys what he's actually thinking. Right. And, you know, Applebee's, something like that. It's nice. It's not so nice. Look, guys, here's 20% off to Perkins. Yes, exactly. Not even a free meal, just a discount. Like, Ezekiel Elliott got all of his dudes on, on the um, – on the Cowboys, ATVs, like right. personalized ATVs. But they might get him an MVP. So, what do you get? <laughs> what do you get? That, was, that was the, the hackiest. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little bit, but it's also true. He got them yeah, ATVs, they, they, they might, they get, might him get him MVP. an MVP. That's next. ESPN LA, don't go to break. I mean, geez, that was <laughs> It was a little bit, but it's not incorrect. And so if you're if you're Jared Goff or Todd Gurley, how do you do this? Especially knowing that all these guys might be gone next yeah. year anyway. Again, get them something nice enough, but send a message. You know, you guys could do better, too. Now, they say, Andy, that you're not supposed to get people pets for gifts. No. Uh, a lifelong commitment. It's a lifelong commitment. Carson Wentz did get his offensive lineman something that didn't require the work of a pet, but it does require at least, I guess, some some work. And he got them shotguns. He did. He he got them Beretta shotguns. They are specifically for hunting. Each, according to Tim McManus from ESPN, is personalized with the player's number engraved on the gun of uh, the butt of the, the gun. Butt of the gun. Yeah. Uh, from Alan Barbary, uh, one of the linemen. This is an awesome gun. I'm excited about it. I don't know if I'll shoot it though. It's pretty nice. And then from Brandon Brooks, another lineman. I like to go clay shooting and stuff. All I've got is a home. Defense tactical shotgun short barrel. So I was looking for one of these. <laughs> and it's always nice when you get something off your list. Exactly. You know, and he's like, "Who do you ask for a shotgun?" Um, I'm glad he. Had, what did he have? So, 
Andy, what, what, no, well, what did he have? He, all he, he had was he a, had a home defense tactical shotgun short barrel. I don't know specifically if that means is that the kind where you like like whip it around like and it, and it like you mean like, like you mean like Schwarzenegger had in T two when he was yeah, riding the motorcycle like, or like Kate Beckinsale has in like all those movies. I don't but it's like know. really short barrel. You just sit there and you flip it around and like loads and unloads and stuff because those things are well. I mean, cool. look what what I was first thinking and and I want to I want to preface this by saying both of us are not avid hunters. We are not avid hunters. Neither one of us are gun guys. Neither one of us knows jack about guns. I actually know more about ATVs. <laughs> I don't know anything about those either. And it's important that I preface this by saying I don't. I don't know if this is what he's talking about. He may not be, and it's important that it may not be because what I'm describing may actually be illegal. But uh, the home defense tactical shotgun short barrel, I wasn't sure if he meant that's the way it was designed or if he saw it off. saw it off. Which is not something oh, you're not, you you're not supposed to do that, right? Well, you definitely aren't supposed to be admitting it, <laughs> like in front of a bunch of media. <laughs> I mean, does the NFL like this? I was, that was my first thought when I saw this. <laughs> I realized there, I, and I, I am not a hunter. I, I, but I don't have a problem. Me neither. With legal hunting, you know, you shoot a tiger. I got a problem. I mean, and let's be honest, take down it, a rhino. So, we're gonna have to talk. Somebody, somebody is killing the meat. That you're eating? Not as far as I know. It just dies naturally <laughs> and makes its way to my plate. You only take down old oh, natural, de- natural I, death. I, I, I shop at very specific <laughs> organic farms that just wait for the animal to die. <laughs> it's very, it's very, very uh, responsible. It's very here. humanely sourced. But yeah, I, I, don't, I don't, I don't, there are, Andy, there are too many deer, you know, I mean, there are too many, you know, And turkeys. some of them have it coming. Right. <laughs> but I, I feel like, when I heard about this, because you're right, I mean, hunting specifically, and these are guns that really are designed specifically for hunting. We're not talking about something like the AR-15, where there's a debate about whether or not right. that's no, this an is actual a, this hunting is a, gun. You go and you look at it, the picture of it's on ESPN.com, and it is. I mean, it's it's a beautiful-looking, crafted $2,000 or something like that. You know, it's a very well-crafted thing that I will never own, but, you know. But I have to figure... When Roger Goodell heard about this, the first thing that came to his mouth was, seriously? <laughs> seriously, Carson? You're getting a bunch of teammates guns? Shotguns. Really? Like, I mean, and there's nothing I think he can do about it. These no, are not illegal as far purchases. As I know. But do you, have to get a, you do have to get some sort yeah, of license? I looked or? this up, actually. Um, you do need to, in the state of uh, Pennsylvania, you do need to apply for a permit even if you're going to be using this just for hunting, if you're 18 or older, I guess you have to be licensed to hunt, trap, or fish. Um, you have to get that type of permit. So I guess the linemen, if they don't already have a permit... are going to have to go get one before they can legally own the gift. Right, and then I guess also, too, they, they have to probably license that particular rifle and this but be- maybe they don't live in Pennsylvania. Maybe they keep, you know, maybe if you're from Florida, you keep it down in Florida where I think it's fair to say <laughs> you're going to have everything you want. I, I, I mean, hell, if any of these guys are from Texas, you get in more trouble for not having like if one. You bring your, if you bring your new shotgun to the office and you're like, and you're like do I need a license for this? And you go to like, they, they just, they, <laughs> I would have. Get out, that's, get out of here, you little scamp. I would have so little idea what to do with this gift like let's say scott mccarthy 
our GM here decided <laughs> to give everybody shotguns. Decided to give the entire as a way of saying thank, thank you. Thank you for a for a job well done and a Merry Christmas. He decided to give everybody who appears on air a personalized shotgun talent. Yes. talent. Oh yeah, no, it's not going to producers and the underlings. Oh god. No, they, they didn't do enough to earn the Sales. shotgun. Please. I would have so Little idea. I'd be nervous to carry it unloaded. <laughs> I would have no I idea. I would never load it. Oh, I'd never load it. The I first would... person I would shoot is myself somehow, even though it's a it's like hard. But it's like, okay, do I do I have to do something ceremonial in order to like placate my boss? Like, do I have to do I have to like install a rack and put this thing <laughs> over the TV at our house? Like, what do I have to do with this thing? If he comes over, do we have to take it out? <laughs> That's what I'm honey, saying, like, honey. I look. I know it makes you uncomfortable <laughs> around the kids, but we have to take the rifle out. It's, we it's have Scott, to. It's Scott, he's coming over. Don't you want our contracts renewed? He's the highest guy at ESPN LA. So. <laughs> like I would have no clue, like what what the etiquette is with the gun gift. Like well, this is like how if you, you get a sweater, you go out of your way to make sure that whoever gave you that sweater at some point sees you at a party right wearing the sweater, wearing the sweater, and then you're done. <laughs> like, but this gun, I would have no you clue. Shoot what to do something with in it. front of the boss. Yeah, I mean th- that gets worse. Like, what if Scott McCarthy wants to take me hunting, <laughs> take us hunting? What if our performance in our next contract is based on whether or not we show ourselves to be decent hunters, like, and, you know, we fit in? But this, by the way, is how you know that you're hosting in L.A. There is literally nobody at this station that I think would be able to pull that off. Go through Keyshawn. Not a hunter. George. Not a hunter. LZ. Not a hunter. Thompson. I think he'd like to think of himself as a, as a hunter, Michael Thompson. Michael Thompson but he's doesn't not. want to go outside unless it's in an <laughs> ocean. True. And there's free sandwich. Yeah, you free sandwiches. That's true. My, Michael is a big fan of food. That's Michael. Although I will say, Michael might take to the part where you just like sit okay. in, a, in a blind for like nine hours in a row. He Ma- might take to that. Mason. Mason comes. Mason from the line actually of hunters does and come gun from hunters. Owners. He's a gun guy. So I guess this. Is he's a good the only gift one for Mace. Ireland isn't a hunter. No. Ireland, I don't think Ireland. Ireland hires hunters to kill his food th- for him. We're just around the house. Yes, <laughs> around his estate. <laughs> well, they, they've got they've got game and stuff. All right, I forgot about estate. Mason, Kelvin, and Marcellus. No, no, doesn't seem like they're jam. Big Z. No, no. Travis. But if this were ESPN Houston, we'd all be like, "Damn, I wish we got shotguns for Christmas." Yeah, they, it will. It will be very interesting to find out if the NFL had any type of objection to this at all. Like, like if at some point there was a memo circulated telling teams to inform their players, hey, we would appreciate it if for future Christmases you did not <laughs> that a quarterback does not arm his lineman. <laughs> um, I'll be honest with you. I, I wasn't sure if we'd be able to problem with it. I don't have a problem with it at all. I was not sure if we'd be able to squeeze a full segment out of the shotgun thing. But, we, but here we are. Um so the uh, we get, again at seven forty is the tip for USC at Oregon State. So we'll get you ready for that, and we will wrap things up. Andy, get back to this genie thing, okay? Because genie and Phil, and, and who's going to be running this team next? Because the next six months are going to be the most important of Genie Bus's Laker life, and we'll explain it. ESPN, uh, Kamenetsky Brothers, ESPN LA. Kamenetsky Brothers, Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky, about nine minutes away from USC basketball. Trojans taking on uh, Oregon State in Corvallis, trying to keep their undefeated record intact. Uh, Lakers tomorrow, 
against Dallas at Staples Center, 7.30 tip, 6 o'clock pregame show. I will be here with Travis Rogers getting you ready for that. Uh, and Andy, you'll be on the radio later this week. Uh, I Actually, I will be on tomorrow morning from 6 to 9 with Jeff Katz, as well go. as Friday morning, 6 to 9 with Jeff But not Katz. Thursday morning. Tomorrow is Thursday. Tomorrow right? is Thursday. Yes. Well, that's great. Yes. All right. Because today was Wednesday. Yes. <laughs> and the previous day was Tuesday. And the day after that will be Friday. Yes. This which is, is why I included that information about me and Jeff. This is great. Yes. Okay. Well, we're just moving right along this week, mm-hmm. aren't we? Um, it, we thought we were actually done with the whole shotgun thing. If you missed it, Carson Wentz bought his lineman shotguns in the same way that, you know, running back Ezekiel Elliott bought his lineman ATVs and uh, Rolexes is right, often the traditional is right. gift. Your Rams linemen get. Applebee's gift cards because it's based on performance. Um, we it turns out we actually have more questions than we do answers. Do you have to like my kids when you get somebody a gift for Christmas or Hanukkah or whatever, and it requires batteries? Oftentimes, as a courtesy, you'll tape like the like a pack of AA batteries onto the package. Do you do that with ammo? <laughs> you just tape. It do on. you tape? Do you tape shells onto the shotgun? Or is it rude? Or like, is it rude to make somebody go out and buy their own shells for the shotgun that you just bought them? Yeah, because you are actually at that point, you're taking money out of their pocket. Like, you it's to, already bad enough. They've got to go get a permit, Andy. Right, which is you got to go. Get, you got to go get a permit. You got to go apply. You, at that point, you're obligated to go hunting, which is not necessarily cheap too. You're making somebody buy the batteries for the shotgun that they otherwise. I mean, the bullets for the shotgun they might have otherwise not owned. Kind of tacky, Carson. Shells, was. I think. Shells. I don't want to make it sound like we don't know what we're talking about when it comes to guns. I think it's been made pretty clear. Uh, but I just, I just, I don't know what the etiquette is here, and so I was a little confused by that. Um, I still love the idea of Scott McCarthy giving us all shotguns. <laughs> what I would love too is uh, Scott McCarthy, our general manager here. The idea of him rewarding all the talent with shotguns is you got to wrap it. You got to wrap it really, really, <laughs> really, tight. really tight, and then Scott has to ask us. You have any idea what this is? What do you think? It is? See if you can guess what, what we is. Gave what do you think I got you this year? A book, Scott? <laughs> no, no. Try again. Bottle of wine? No, no. One, take one more guess. Is it a shotgun? <laughs> yes, it's a shotgun. It's a shotgun. It's a shotgun. It's a shotgun. I <laughs> went off the grid. Now guess if it's loaded. <laughs> guess if it's loaded. Well, 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 some people you you make a joke. Some people will. You know, I mentioned you tape the batteries. Some people will go next level and actually put the batteries in for you, so that you don't even have to do that. Oh no, no, I took care of the batteries for you. Is it considered kind, like good form to load the shotgun before? There's a lot I don't know. I did once when I was in elementary school for birth or a birthday. Somebody once gave me a spear. Yes, like I an actual, that, I got a spear, <laughs> like an actual spear. Yeah, it was from my friend Brooks, yes. who just came back from Africa on safari, and I guess he was he must have gotten the invitation while he was gone, or something happened, or they had a bunch of extra spears, or whatever. He gave me a spear for I was in like second grade. I remember that it was like, <laughs> like the bowling alley. I remember thinking that was a really awesome gift. And I, my looking at my parents, going, <laughs> "Whoa." <laughs> Now one last thing. Let's get out. Let's get out and use our spear, Andy. <laughs> yeah, that that was pretty awesome. I do remember. I that. still had it for. I had it for a long time. I, <laughs> I don't know if it made the move. Our parents just moved out of their house to a new house. I don't know if the spear made the move. <laughs> Fairly certain the spear went to Goodwill. You can't give a spear to Goodwill. <laughs> Some, look, somebody might need one in the. You ever got a spear? It. You got anything cool like that? Uh, as a as a birthday gift, as a birthday gift. No, Any, anything wildly inappropriate for an elementary school student. 
Not that I can think of. No, Rebecca's never gotten a spear. She (laughs) clearly. I I often got uh, like in high school age inappropriate alcohol. Well, that's different. That's because everybody knew what you wanted, right? (laughs) But you never got a spear. No, I never did get a spear. Yeah, it's the closest thing I ever got to a gun. Now, had Jeannie and Phil actually taken the next step from engagement to wedding? One of the gifts that you could have gotten them was was a shotgun. Was a shotgun or a spear. As it turns out, you won't need to buy them either because they called <laughs> off the engagement. That <laughs> smooth transition. Smooth transition. How do you link these two stories by focusing on the registry? I'm not going to lie, Brian. I give good transition. Well, what you do is you you try to kind of team up with somebody you're like, okay, you guys get the shotgun and we'll get the shells and we'll kind of go halvesies. Yes. <laughs> well, here's the thing. If you're not confident in how long the wedding, how long the marriage is going to last, you might buy in the shotgun, but you don't pony up for the shells. Right. Because <laughs> then it starts just costing too much. Or you buy the shells and no shotgun because it's less expensive. But anyway, so Jeannie and Phil. <laughs> but no, but seriously. They <laughs> called up. But we digress. They, they've broken up and the engagement is off. <laughs> and you raised the question before, Brian, about the direction moving forward for the organization now that we know or at least we can presume heavily that Phil Jackson will not be brought back. I love how you've now officially transitioned into this is now we have to talk about serious things now. It's not even Let's, that. I think we've run out of shells material. We just said, you know, as everyone knows. I think now, we've run out of shots. I understand that, material. but you've really, you know, you've tried and you're like your face has changed. Everything about you is like, okay, guys, it's it's let's bring it back in. I know. It's like you've been working with Trudell. It's been unsuccessful. <laughs> um but she, the thing that I think is fascinating about this, Phil's not coming back. He's staying in, in New York. That's how it's going to be. Jeannie owns the decision. And what people think of Jeannie going forward if she keeps Jim, that is an active choice. You made the point. You've been making the point for a couple of years. Jim's been kind of a human shield for Jeannie. There's not no even question. Kind of. She's been a human. He's been a human shield. For like her. She, actually, she actually walks through you know, crowds that Look, way. For a long time. Laker fans have not focused on Jeannie Buss and how good she either is or isn't at her job running business for the Lakers, in part because it is widely assumed that she is good at her job with the business and the marketing of the Lakers. Correct. She has a lot of respect around the league. If you talk to people, they think she's good. But the other reason, to be honest, fans haven't paid much attention to Jeannie along these lines is they don't actually care if she's good. Fans do not actually care if Jeannie is good at turning a profit. Other for the than Lakers. she got a gigantic TV contract right. and things well, like that. TV contract, or if they are generating enough money that they feel comfortable going over right. like the salary cap exactly. and luxury tax. They have but the then money those to do those things. Jim and Mitch Correct. decisions, and they've always you can't see on you can't. It's hard. Mitch. You can't see. There's no tangible evidence. TV contract, maybe whatever. There's no tangible no. way to the really Lakers. Know they're going to get a TV deal. Yes, and it's going to be gigantic. I right. Mean, I feel like I could have walked into Time Warner at the time and be like, hey, guys, we're the Lakers. Um, can I have, like, let's, $2 billion. But either Maybe way, that, that's the advantage that Jeannie has always had in this setup. You know, she's very likable, very personable, very smart, very confident. But also, fans have never particularly cared whether or not she's good at her job. All of a sudden, they are going to care. Yep, there's no question. And I... There's no hiding anymore. Like a decision is going to have to be made, and Jim Buss, whether intentionally or just as a means of trying to stick up for himself, because he doesn't talk a lot, he doesn't put himself out there a lot. But he was quoted Bill Orm in the in the Register 
had in there. It's like, I'm not going. I think we're making progress. I think it would be silly to change now. She, He is going to make her make the move. And it's going to be fascinating to watch it play out because she officially owns e- either one is an active choice. Keeping Jim around is a choice, and she'll be blamed if things go poorly because she could have replaced him and didn't. And this is this is really the first time in her time with the Lakers that she's ever been in the position. On the hook, fully on, on the hook. On the hook, but also people really caring yep. about a decision that she makes. You're right. It's going to be really fascinating. All right, so you guys, Andy, uh, will be talking about this tomorrow. Andy Kamenetsky, Jeff Katz, starting at 6 a.m. Coming up next, it's USC at Oregon State on ESPN LA.